listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I am your host, Kyra, and on today's show, I have a very special guest by the name of Jerome Fenton joining me today. Jerome is a serial entrepreneur who, from a young age, has acclimated several successful businesses from the ground up. Jerome also hosts his own podcast called Age for Hustle, where he offers a complete guide on tips for other aspiring entrepreneurs to build successful businesses. How are you doing today, Jerome? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Perfect. No problem. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. So I wanted to get a little bit into your background. So tell me a little bit about yourself and where you grew up. Okay. So, uh, so I started in Jamaica. I was born in Jamaica, the country, not Jamaica, Queens. Um, I came to the United States when I was seven years old and I came uh, from uh, Jamaica straight to the Bronx. I came from, uh, and that was like a, like a shock coming from Jamaica to coming to the United States. You're going from like 90 degree weather, sun and the fun. And then it's like concrete. It's a fast city. It was, so it took me a little while as a kid to kind of adapt. And then I also had this Jamaican accent. So for like about two years, I didn't even speak to anyone in school. I would just go, go to school, come home and not speak to anyone. But over time, I actually um, got used to it. Um, I, you know, I'm a city kid now. I grew up in the inner city. So I'm a, I can consider myself uh, a New York City kid through and through. Um, And, you know, that's kind of like my early stages, beginnings wise. Okay, perfect. So what were some of the jobs that you uh, worked over the course of your life before you got into becoming an entrepreneur? What were some of the jobs? So I didn't really have much jobs, right? Um, When I was younger, uh, my friends and I, we were just really like scrappy little kids. So um, we, I remember there was a time where we wanted to buy bicycles. We were really heavy into BMX and we wanted to um, buy these bikes that you could do tricks on. So what we started doing was just telling all the old people in the neighborhood that we can wash their car for $10. Um, we would like bring, like bring the car to the hydrant and we'll wash it for them. Um, I started handing out flyers for small businesses. Um, we found bikes in the trash, fixed them up and re sold them to other people. So I was always like this little hustling entrepreneur kid. Um, The only job I remember having was when I was 18, no, 17 years old, I worked at White Castle for like six months. And I was like, this blows. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Uh, I did that for about six months. I was able to save up some money and buy my first little car. Um, So that was like the first job, real job I've ever had. Wow. So, okay. So do you feel like because you were an immigrant that came over from Jamaica to the United States that that gave you your driving force to want to become an entrepreneur? Um, it's a mixture of that. Yeah. So I saw my parents, my parents, my mom's a nurse. My dad worked in hospitals in like the psych unit is like a, like a, a nurse that does like the restraint and stuff. Um, and they always worked like, you know, they would work two shifts in one day. So they'd work the seven to seven to three, then three to 11. Um, and then sometimes they'd work the overnight shift. So I always saw the work ethic from my parents. Um, they worked really, really hard. And then the other piece was, um, my dad used to listen to like Les Brown and, to- and Tony Robbins tapes and Earl Nightingale. And 
you know, being a kid in the car, like your dad's dropping you to school, you hear these like things over and over. And every time I've heard those tapes, it was always like, you know, about like entrepreneurship. And he used to listen to Robert Kiyosaki and you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad stuff. So I think hearing that stuff over and over and saw how hard my parents worked. And I was like, they work really hard for somebody else. And they're not really moving that fast. And all these tapes my dad are listening to, it's like, it's saying entrepreneurship is the way. And I kind of just put it together um, that that's where I was going to. And also the thing, the third thing that the third thing, the third thing that um, made me feel like that was I wasn't really good at school. I wasn't the greatest student um, because I just I, I had like a learning disability. I learned slower than others. I couldn't read as fast as everybody else. Um, so I would take like a statewide test and I could have like five days to take the test. So I just knew that school wasn't going to be my route. And I think all those three things kind of came in alignment and that's kind of pushed me towards entrepreneurship. Okay. So with that bug that you got into you from a young age, wanting to start a, um, your own companies, or you did start your own companies, you actually started your journey into full-on entrepreneurship at the age of 18. So yeah. tell me a little bit about the first business you started and what was the driving force that made you want to become a business owner? Then? So. <laughs> so I graduated high school. Um, I barely got out of high school. I don't even think I graduated. I just got out. <laughs> so, I know what I want to do in life. Yeah. So I bar- barely got out of high school and my friends who were one year younger than me, they were in senior year and um, they were about to graduate high school too. And I was like, Hey man, listen, we don't seem to have much of a, a path in school. We were going to go to community college anyway. Mm-hmm. I was like, why don't we start a business? Why don't we do something? I mean, we've always sold bicycles and we were always little scrappy kids. We could do this. Um, And I kind of convinced them, you know, it took like two, three weeks to like, you know, consistent talking. And then they were like, okay, what business are we going to start? And I literally at the time, it wasn't even Google, it was Yahoo Answers. It was like cheapest business to start. I just typed it in and a few things popped up, but cleaning kept on coming up in different searches, a cleaning company, cleaning company. They're like, you only need like a hundred to 500 bucks to start. And I was like, we should do a cleaning company. I was like, we clean our houses. We could clean, right? Like that's, that's all it could, uh, all it really needs, the skill set that you need to do it. Um, and we literally, literally like I was like how much money do you have and one uh, one of my friends was like I got 10 bucks I was like I got I got 40 dollars um and we literally went to the dollar store and bought every cleaning product you can buy at the dollar store brooms brushes everything um solutions and we made some business cards from like the Avery labels like you can make your own business cards at home and print them out of your printer um so we we got went to Staples got the Avery business card thing made a business card and then started going door to door and knocking on businesses and saying, Hey, we can clean your office. We can clean your office. And it took some time. Like we were getting no's and rejections left and right. And then one day after like pursuing that and going door to door for like three weeks every day, one um, all state office we walked into, he was like, Hey, if you can match uh, my, my, my previous person's price, you guys can work, start working tonight. And we were like, okay, what's your other person's previous price? They were like 25 bucks a week. And we were like, you got a deal. And that's how we got our first client. That's how we started off the cleaning business. Wow. That's awesome. So, okay. What were some of the challenges you faced when you started your first company? What did you learn from those obstacles? 
So one of the biggest things is that we didn't know what we didn't know. Like we had the energy to like go after whatever we wanted, but we didn't know business. We didn't understand taxes. We didn't understand like the bank accounts you had that. We just didn't understand like those nuances behind business. Like we would, we would get a letter from the IRS and we'd be like freaking out because it says IRS on it. And really, you know, once we found an accountant, we realized that it was just like a standard letter. They always send out to every business owner. Um, um, so a lot of the, tr- the the problems in that first business was that I didn't know what I didn't know. No one taught us that. I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. I didn't know people who had businesses. So a lot of the skills that we were learning, we were literally learning on the job. As the problems came up, we fixed it. Um, and also the like one of the problems very early on for like the first two years is that we didn't have funding. Every month, all the money that we were making, we were putting it right back into the business. Um, so we didn't have like a true fund. To to like um, build from. Every time we made money, we'd use it to buy another product or buy another thing. And that was the reason that it kind of took us a while to learn that business because we just didn't know businesses in general. As three young kids from the inner city, that's that was our biggest problem. Mm-hmm. But you had the hustle and the drive to make something happen for yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, you know, um, by year three, we had found a mentor, a guy that had a cleaning business for a while. He started navigating us through and giving us advice to help us move a lot faster. So we eventually started growing that business relatively quickly. And um, after the third year, I think the third year, we, we had broke $100,000 in sales uh, and revenue. And then two years later, we were doing like about a half a million, 600,000 um, in gross revenue. Um, and we had like five employees at the time. We were really growing and kind of growing the business quickly. So it, it took us two years of just bumping our heads and just putting forth hustle. And then by year three, year four, that's when things really took off. Wow. So, okay. Now you mentioned previously that you didn't go to college and um, you just decided on just becoming an entrepreneur and going head in first. So do you feel like not attending college was an obstacle for you or is it necessary for any entrepreneur that wants to get into the business to go to college? Um, I, I think society makes it feel like you should. I felt like if I've those those that year of building the oxygen cleaning services at the time those five six years that we built that company i felt like that was my college i felt yeah it would have been great to know about like business and taxes and all those things but every time i spoke to someone who went to um college for business, they didn't learn half the things that I learned actually running my business and actually being in it and being head first. They still don't know half of that because they don't teach it. They teach more of the theory of business, but there's so much things theory misses out that actual reality covers, you know? So I, for anyone that's thinking about pursuing it, if you have the aptitude and the hustle and the drive and the work ethic, you can do without college, but just do know that your first couple of years, you're going to have to put in the, the, the education. You're just going to have to learn by failing. And that's part of the process. Exactly. So it's all about trial and error when it comes to business. There is no book one, uh, uh, entrepreneurs for dummies or anything like that. (laughs) You can, you can (laughs) self-educate yourself a bit, but there's a point where you're just going to have to learn by doing. And I've also met people who've had their MBAs and went to like Brown or Dartmouth and they still can't run 
the business that, that I ran, you know? So like it, it doesn't really, um, sometimes I think it doesn't really matter. I think it depends on the actual person and the, the grind and the grit that that person has. Exactly. Street hustle you had. Yes, 100%. <laughs> so you were on to build several successful businesses in many different industries. What were some of the other business ventures that you went on to launch? So after this cleaning company, we sold that business. We were able to sell off all our contracts, every all of our materials. We actually made a little bit of money. You know, at the time, no one tells you about capital gain tax. And when you sell a business, how much taxes you actually pay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to sell that company. And I kind of like took six months off because I was just a hundred percent just grinding for like the last six years. And then my dad told me, he's like, what were you afraid of in your, in your cleaning company? And although I did it, I wasn't the most, the biggest fan was the sales part of it. And I was so afraid of like walking into a business. I did it, but I was always nervous. So my dad said, whatever you're afraid of, you should go towards that and try to learn how to do that. And the next thing I did was uh, I started a door-to-door sales company. (laughs) I, I took some sales training um, for like six months. And then after that, I decided to start my own door-to-door sales company. Wow. Okay. So you pretty much took the leap of faith when it came to the next launch. You were like, okay, so I have some of the skill sets that I learned from the first time launching the cleaning business. And then you applied that to ultimately coming up with your second business venture, right? Yes. Got it. So did you ever feel that being a black entrepreneur that you were ever undermined at times when it came to your white counterpart? Like when you were trying to get investors for your company, did you ever feel like it was hard to find investors if you needed them for your business or loans? A hundred percent. Because one, we were black inner city kids, but also on top of that, we, we were kids we were young we were like 18 19 20 years old so no one wanted uh kids to give them anything we didn't have the credit we didn't have anything so it we saw that a lot and then also when we went out on bids we saw the friendships and the relationships we had gotten a bid to like clean like 12 hsbc banks and then there's this guy who who's been in cleaning forever he's white and he's been doing it for a long time and the person who we're trying to you know sell this business to he he's white as well. And he, he, he gels more with the older white man who's more of a counterpart to him and we're the younger black kids just there. Um, so we saw it a lot, but we didn't let it stop us because we knew like that was an obstacle that we had to fight through anyway. And the customers who were going to be for us were going to be for us. Got it. So do you believe that black entrepreneurs are overall underrepresented when it comes to actually uh, business ownership? hundred percent. That's something we don't talk a lot about in our community. We don't, and then we don't see it a lot. Like that's the problem that I had. We didn't have a lot of people who could, we could go to who've done something like this before. Our family were just workers. We just knew they went to work, they came home. That's all they did. Mm -hmm. So why do you feel that is when it comes to becoming an entrepreneur? Why do you feel like African-Americans are oftentimes underrepresented when it comes to owning their own companies? And you mostly see white people doing it and owning so many businesses and accumulating generational wealth. 
It's something that we we started we started on the leg backwards, right? So we didn't have that like being drilled into us. If you see some people who are like our white counterparts, their parents have been talking about this forever. They've seen their their grandparents had a company, their mom and dad worked in that company. So it's not a foreign thing to go out and fend for yourself or build something for yourself. You know, when I was building my cleaning company, my mom would be like, I didn't bring you to this country for you to clean other people's stuff. And I was like, mom, that's not the point. The point is, yeah, right now I'm cleaning, but eventually someone's going to be working for me and they're going to be doing the cleaning. But her mindset couldn't see past like the stability of a paycheck and a job. So that that's one of the biggest things that, that we, we just don't talk about it a lot and we just don't push that within our youth and within our kids. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I know that, you know, I like we were talking earlier about the um, Aspen Apothecary, the CBD-infused um, perfume that these two girls came up with and how they've definitely faced a lot of times where they were speaking about people oftentimes, they had to work harder in order to get loans or investors in order to, you know, build their businesses. And they definitely felt like everybody that they were talking to were not someone that represented them as people. So they had to work extra hard to prove the point of why it was necessary for them to launch this to launch their business. Yeah, and that's also one of the bigger things is because you don't have that representation in front of you for you to actually see as an example. So it sometimes it just feels like you're blazing the trail for hopefully somebody behind you can ask you the questions and you can guide them through um, that the next step. Definitely. So what are some tips you would give black inspiring entrepreneurs who are eager to start their own businesses, but may feel discouraged or unsure of themselves? So the thing is, if you're unsure of yourself, it's, it's hmm. the biggest thing I can say is just start, just start, start small. Um, there's something called an MVP, a minimal viable product, right? So when I started my cleaning company, we eventually had a carpet cleaning division, a window cleaning division, and a office cleaning division. But when we first started, we just started off cleaning one aspect of that business. It was just offices, right? So find an MVP, a minimal viable product. So let's say your business is you want to start a, you know, uh, a beauty line. Well, maybe you should just learn how to just make lipstick or lip balm or how to sell one product really well and then grow from there. So start small, take a, a very, very small thing and start from there. Like your goal might be to be the next um, Oprah Winfrey, but right now the way you can start is by starting with a podcast and then growing into a network and then building and building. I think a lot of times people see the big picture and wonder how do I get there how do i make this thing happen and you just the best thing to do is just start with one thing and start now like there is no time present even if you don't have money you don't have access you don't have resources start anyway just try to find a way to start and i think a lot of that is what cripples black entrepreneurs it's like i don't have the money i don't have this i don't have that there's a lot that you do have you know so you should just start with where you are and try to grow from there like i didn't say man we shouldn't start this cleaning company because i don't have money we all, we had 40 dollars was 99 cent products the best products to clean with by far no it was the worst products to clean with but you have to start somewhere and just start and then grow from there absolutely so okay a lot of times people think that passion equals profit right right away so 
in your no, it does not. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> so what are some tips for someone who believe that and that are that need something to supplement their income until they're actually able to get profit from the company that they're building? Um, so sometimes you have to do something you don't want to do. That's, that's just, the, that's how it boils down to it. The best thing to do is like, if you can find a job that's flexible, that can help you along the way, it's much easier to get a job than to start a business. Um, and you might need a job to hopefully transition into your company. So sometimes you might have to just get a job that you don't like, that is not something you're super passionate about, but it gives you the flexibility to work on your business that you're trying right now. And I always recommend that. Get something that maybe has, you know, you can work three days a week and it's flexible. Or maybe, you know, you find one of my clients that I coach, um, she wants, she wanted to build a very big business clients. She wanted to build um, a beautiful, beauty salon, right? And she had this big dream of building this beauty salon. But I told her in order for her to do that, she has to find something that she can get the flexibility so she can run and like do hair when a customer or client calls. So she actually started doing um, a loan signing agent or like a mobile notary public. That's kind of what it is. That's the business that she started that gives her the freedom to then eventually when her clients call her to do hair, she can stop what she's doing on one side and then focus on her business. So I think a lot of times people just don't do something that's in correlation to what they want to actually do and grow their business with. Exactly. And a lot of people don't want to invest in themselves or take the leap of faith that it is in order to grow their business. Because like you said, they're so comfortable with a regular nine to five job that they're missing out on the perfect opportunity to, you know, set the path for their own, their own life. Yeah. And especially now in 2020, we all walk around with supercomputers in our pockets. There is so much that you can get accomplished right now. So what were some things that you did in order to, you know, uh, deal with stress? And what are some so, for other people? How how I deal with stress, like I said, entrepreneurship is the first time you're going to cry about yourself to yourself. Um, and it's very isolating and it's a lot of worry on your head. Um, and you worry consistently. It's just a consistent level of worry that comes with entrepreneurship. How I would deal with that, I always loved... I always found what I loved doing. So I loved riding my bicycle. And I, even now, I still will go on my bike and go for long rides. Or if I can't do that, I would go out like this, um, like hiking trails that are not far by where I live. And I would just go out by the hiking trails and walk for like two hours, three hours, like no headphones, no nothing, just me walking and, or me on my bicycle, just riding for hours on end, just to kind of get that energy and that exhaustion, just that clear my mind a little bit. Those are things that I recommend. Do something that you love doing um, to like get away from that. Some people love massages, some people getting their nails done, whatever you have to do that you love to do, do that to deal with the stress. For me, it's riding my bike or it's going on long hikes and walks. That's what helps me to get that stress off of me. But you have to find out what that thing is that relieves your stress. But that's what I, we used to do a lot. That's some def- that's some awesome tips. People can definitely use that to help them. And also meditation is another way of doing it too. Yeah. I, again, it's there's different things for different people. At one point I was really into yoga. I was doing yoga a lot. Um, that helped me a ton, but that was just based on, I was working, I was, I was, I, my company was in Manhattan at the time. And that was like the only form of exercise that I felt like that I could do very quickly. And it was good for me. Um, but again, you have to find what works for you. 
Exactly. So you host an awesome podcast called Age for Hustle. So what inspired you to launch this show and help others with tips on launching their own business ventures? So there's a little backstory to that. Once I started the door-to-door sales company, I eventually sold that off after four years as well. Um, and then my, do- my oldest daughter was born. She's six now, but um, I kind of wanted to um, find ways to do be around my kids more. Just growing up with the, my parents, like they work so much. I didn't want to be that parent that was like not around. So I trend, um, during the time I sold my business, a lot of old friends or colleagues would say, hey, can you help my friend now? She wants to start this business. Can you speak to this guy? He wants to start a cleaning business or could you? So I started just giving them advice for free and just started giving them knowledge and, you know, just literally um, just passing along all the knowledge that I've learned along the years just by trial and error. And out of that, I realized that I was starting to coach people and I really liked it. I was like, really, I, I did cleaning. I did um, the door-to-door sales company. I had an online um, like selling products, but like this, I was just lit up when I was talking to people and I was giving them advice and I was giving them all the information. And then I would see them start off from nothing and then they would grow and grow and grow and grow. And it would just make me feel like a proud dad or something or like a good coach. Um, So um, I really, I started coaching people just because of that and just started coaching people how to build their business from like concept to reality, um, how to set out a a, a basic blueprint and then follow and, and go after that blueprint. So because of that, I wanted to start a podcast so that they can hear other stories of people who have started from a nine to five job, quit that job and then built their company. So H for Hustle is just stories of entrepreneurs that have quit their job and started their own company. And each person's transition to that is different. Some people, you know, teether off, some people quit um, and it's in different industries. So that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast was to inspire someone who's sitting in that cube dying a slow death um, and how they can actually leave that job and, and, and go and build their dreams, the company of their dreams. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually a first time entrepreneur. I actually, at one point in time, wanted to go to school to become one. But like you said earlier in our conversation, that it's not necessarily necessary to yeah. go to college in order to be an entrepreneur. So I decided during this pandemic to take the leap of faith. And I will say that I couldn't be more happier you know, congratulations. There's a lot, there's a long road ahead, but (laughs) congratulations on the first step. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay. With that said, what are some tips that, what are the step-by-step guide for the hustlers that you, what are the step-by-step tips that you give other hustlers who go to you seeking guidance on how to build their businesses and launch them? First, the first tip that I would give is make sure you you understand where your money's at. Understand a break even for yourself. So know how much all your bills are, like exactly where your bills, your numbers. Know every aspect of your bills. If if you make right now you're at a job and you make four thousand dollars a month and your bills are three hundred three thousand five hundred, that means it's an extra five hundred to play. If you don't know where your numbers are, you're going to have a tough time transitioning. So make sure you understand where your numbers are. If anything, you can cut down, cut down. If that's Spotify membership, if it's Disney Plus, like cut some of those things that you don't really need and try to go down to understanding where your true numbers are and what you need. Now, once you understand your numbers. See how much of that you can put aside um, to feed into your, your, your business, right? So 
for you personally, you started a podcast, so you might not need much. You might need a mic, a computer, um, some basic stuff to start. If you're going to start a cleaning company, understand what it's going to take to start that and then start putting some of the money from your nine to five job into that passion. The next thing is create an MVP, a minimal viable product. So if you can start with something so basic, so like I said, if you're going to start a, a clothing company, maybe you just start selling t-shirts. Now, what's the simplest way you can sell a t-shirt? Maybe you can't print the t-shirt. Maybe you don't have the resources for that, but there are other resources, maybe like, like a drop shipping or a print on demand company like Printful or um, Teespring or Public. Try to start with the most basic thing possible. So if you have your finances right and you could put some money away towards that, then just choose an MVP that you can put some money towards and then start building out that MVP and get really good at delivering that one thing. Get really good at making a t-shirt and delivering a t-shirt and making sure your t-shirt experience is the best t-shirt you can actually give away. And once you've mastered that t-shirt experience, it might take you six months, might take you a year, start cutting back your hours on your work. Go down to go down to three days a week and start focusing on your MVP more and maybe add one more thing to your MVP. So now you're selling t-shirts and now you're selling hats and now you can then slowly do spend more time there. So you cut down from your job from three, from 40 hours a week. Now you're doing, let's say you're doing, um, 25 and then you spend that extra 25 on your actual business and then you slowly teeth off of your nine to five into building out your company. Once you do that, then I would say, I tell everyone, then you go get legit, go get like an LLC, go do all of that. I wouldn't do any of the LLCs and all that stuff until you've mastered how to build your MVP. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much just doing little by little, not doing too, putting too much on your plate at once and then getting overwhelmed and then just saying, well, this is too much. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I give up. Yeah, exactly. And that's where a lot of people get a lot of people quit because they quit on their dreams because it seems like it's too much. So instead, you know, there's a quote that uh, I heard is how do you eat an elephant, you know, at one bite at a time. So you just have to chop it down to the most simplest thing possible and then start there. I think when you do that, it's much more accomplishable than to try to say, I'm going to be Oprah Winfrey at the gate. I want to build, uh, you know, I want to build North Face right at the gate. I want to start off with 20 product lines. It's like, it's, it's, it, it, it's overwhelming and you will get, you will get discouraged by doing that. Definitely. But also, again, I just want to make this clear. Not everyone's situation is the same. Some people might have a better break even and have more money to put towards their thing so they can excel much faster than others. But definitely just try to start with them, like, um, again, with the smallest thing possible and then grow it from there. Mm-hmm. So marketing. So marketing is, I feel like, one of the most important things also when it comes to being an entrepreneur. So what are some of the things that you did when it came to marketing your business launches? And what are some other tips for other people that are looking to market themselves? Is social media kind of the more of the way to go or what should people do when it comes to marketing their companies? So one of the biggest things um, that I learned from one of our mentors is story selling. So mm-hmm. story selling. So everyone's story is unique. Everybody has a different story. Learn to tell your business's story. Like if you can tell a story, your customer is much more 
inapt to try or, or go after your product or service. Um, when I first started, we told our story we're, with our cleaning company. We're three inner city black kids who started this cleaning company with $40. That was like, oh my God, we went to local newspapers. We went to any local publication that we could find. And we, we told that story and everyone jumped all over that story. Now that was our story. We were three inner city kids and we started a company with $40. But but that story just resonated with people. So first thing you have to do is learn to tell your story. Everyone has a very specific story. I think a lot of people spend time spamming on social media or are are spamming everywhere emails try to learn to tell your story and get good at telling your story your story could be your marketing for a very long time it could be your marketing forever if you think of nike when you watch a nike ad or you watch a nike he ad with Serena or, or LeBron James, they tell a story and they get you so charged up about Serena's story or LeBron's story or whoever's story that you, it's almost like you never see them talk about sneakers. They never spam the sneakers all over the place. They learn to tell a story and then the shoes are just an attribute of that person's story. So get really good at story selling, like understand what your story is and sell that story. Everything else is just a distribution point. Social media is a distribution point. Local newspapers distribution point. Emails are distribution point. But if you understand what your story is, it's really to, easy to tell that on the distribution channels. Absolutely. Wow. So you're you're pretty much the American dream. <laughs> I don't know about that. dollars <laughs> <laughs> in your pocket from Jamaica coming to the United States and building this empire and a whole But you see how that story, if you read that in a local newspaper, Mm-hmm. Are you are you more likely to try these these kids to come clean your office or clean your home or clean your window? Absolutely. Would you will be willing to give those kids a try? Absolutely. That's exactly what it was. So once you understand how to sell your story, people will buy into your story. And then what they're doing is internally buying you. So they buy you because they like your story. You come in and perform a good cleaning service. All of a sudden, the story matches with the service that they provided. And when they tell their friends about the cleaning, that somebody says, wow, your office is really clean. It's like, oh, man, let me tell you about these three kids. They started their business when they were, then they started with $40 and they came here and cleaned it. And then they become your marketing machine for you because you understand how to sell your story. So the biggest thing I tell most of my clients is like, let's work on how to tell your story and, and get really good at doing that. Mm-hmm. So it was $40 in a dream. Yeah, exactly. And that's what a lot of the local newspapers, that was like their headlines, three inner city kids, 30 or uh, $40 in a dream. There was a lot of headlines kind of like that. And we got really good at telling that story. And that story is the reason why we grew our business relatively fast. Wow. Superstar from the tender age of 18. Okay. You, you, you see how that just keeps selling itself over and over yes. and over. Yeah, exactly. And I keep selling it too. <laughs> so investors, what are some ways you've invested in yourself? But mm-hmm. however, what are some tips for other people that are trying to launch their businesses when it comes to finding investors? I mean, now it's even easier than than ever before. So there, there are tons of websites that you can do um, that are like crowdfunding. There's a Kickstarters of the world. Um, there's someone I had on my, my podcast called Black Funders. They fund, they help fund black entrepreneurs. Um, there's so many ways now that you can actually find investors. You could go on LinkedIn. There's groups of 
of investors that's on there. Uh, so there's a ton of ways to actually go about it. The best thing to do is invest in yourself and mm-hmm. other people will see that and want to come along. Because if you put forth the effort in you, you'll find investors. My first company, our clean company, about two years in, one of our clients became our first investor because they were. she was like, you guys show up on time. You show up every day. Um, I, I love what you guys are doing. I consistency growth and I want a piece of this. How can I get involved? And she was our first $10,000 investment. But that was just because we've put two years prior investing in ourselves and investing in growing our business. So a lot of times is that if you're doing the upfront investment on yourself, other people would recognize that as well. But there are so many ways, like there are Facebook groups where there are angel investors just sitting in there waiting to invest on something. So it's really, there's a lot of avenues now to find ways to fund yourself. Awesome. So, okay, with the whole pandemic going on and there's so many people that have lost their jobs and are unemployed currently, do you think right now is the best time for people that are thinking about pursuing becoming their own entrepreneurs to launch launch it through in this pandemic? Or do you feel like it's more challenging for people now to launch businesses and keep them afloat since the pandemic is going on? I think it's one of the best times, right? Because there, there's someone like you, there's an early stage entrepreneur like yourself, right? Mm-hmm. That you can share services with, right? So let's say you have a, I have a t-shirt brand and you have a podcast and we're early stage entrepreneurs together. Mm-hmm. I can get in contact with you and say, hey, you know, I love what you're doing. Can I jump on your podcast and promote my t-shirt brand? I think to, right now is the best time because there's so many entrepreneurs that are being sprouted and they're being sprouted off of necessity, like feeding themselves. Right? Like there are people who are starting ghost kitchens who are just starting a restaurant literally out of their house and having Uber Eats and DoorDash deliver their food to other people. There's a lot of people right now that are in that early stage that you can get around and you can get with and share and barter services. And most of the time, everyone understands now. It's not like, uh, let me jump on your podcast. And you're going to be like, that's going to be $500. You know, you're not, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to share services to them. They might send you two t-shirts and you post it on Instagram and then you let them on your podcast and you guys grow together. So I think right now it's the best time. And we have self phones like there's a you have a supercomputer in your pocket is the best time to start a company is right now because again there's so many early stage entrepreneurs that you can work with and you would love to work with and then also that's the amount of access that we have right now mm-hmm. so what keeps you motivated um, at first it was, it was straight up my ego when I was younger. <laughs> um, but, but now it has transitioned a little bit more. Um, the older I get and the more I've, I, I keep like building and building things, the more I want to like help other people. Like I want to give back and pour into other people. Like now part of H for Hustle, something that we do as a company once a month, we have to go and volunteer and help. That's, um, that's like the people who edit the podcast, everyone who works with me, like we all have to volunteer tear. Sometimes we do it together. Sometimes we don't. Um, sometimes it's just like a person's going to give blood or they're going to go to a food bank or they're going to read books to kids online or whatever it is. But like, that's something now that I've put into my company. There's has to be a give back to it. Like there, you have to give into others because it's like, I, the older and older I get, the more I realize I was just taking, like as a, as an early stage entrepreneur, I was just like pulling. I was just, I wanted more and more and more and more. And I wasn't putting anything back in the soil. So now for me, I want to 
plant a lot more seeds than I want to take from the ground, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome that you decided to give back and help others to launch their businesses and give them tips because there's a lot of people out here that just don't really care. And they're all about themselves and want to, you know, keep all of the knowledge for themselves and not help others to grow. But if you have all that knowledge, why not help other people to grow? Exactly. And that's what I'm really like. That's what really motivates me now is like seeing someone who started one of, um, you know, a really good friend of mine. She started off. She wanted to start a cleaning company. And by 2021, she's been doing it for about four years. But by 2021, she should crack a million dollars in sales next year. Um, And that was just you know, she came to me, recommended from a friend, hey, you know, she wants to start a clean company, has no direction in where to go. And she literally was a single mom, no kid, no nothing. Like single mom had nothing. And she now is about to crack a million dollars in sales. And I, I don't want a dollar from her. I'm just so excited for her. You, you know what I mean? So like, to me, that's what keeps me more motivated that because of my advice and me speaking to her, she's now being able to change her life for herself and her kids. So that's, to me, that's like huge. And I, I, I want nothing from her, but I just want her to keep on winning. Oh, that's awesome. So if you could choose any Hustler theme song or soundtrack to keep you motivated, which one would it be? Um, could be Rick Ross. It could be anybody. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> You know that song of Jay-Z's like, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Now let me handle my business. I love that. I love that. I love that that song. And um, Rick Ross and um, Rick Ross and John Legend is a song. I'm going to be rich forever and ever. I love that song as well. Um, So those are like, like, I guess I'll put those on um, to like really pump me up. Those are the two songs I really like will play back to back. And then lately I've been listening to a lot of Nipsey Hussle. I wasn't a big fan when he was alive, but um, I've definitely started spending a lot more time with his music. I'm not fully in depth with every song, but I'm, I'm, I'm really becoming a very fast fan of his. And he was a def- definitely a successful businessman and entrepreneur himself. Yeah. And the story behind him is the reason why I started listening to the music. So again, story selling, right? Like his story after his death was like, wow, this guy was really building something here. And that intrigued me to then listen to the music. And now I'm becoming a fast fan of his. So it goes back to, again, to that story selling thing. But he, that's one of the reasons why I started locking him into his music. That's awesome. So Hustler's Mind never stops producing. Do you have any up and coming business ventures in the works that we can expect anytime soon? If so, what can we expect? So I've partnered with a friend of mine, Jermaine Stone, um, on, he has a company called Crew Love, where he builds wine. Uh, He helps people build their wine brands. He also has a wine brand that he's partnered with, with Raekwon. And I'm also partnered in on that company as well. So it's more like they do social media, digital marketing for wine companies. Um, so I'm partnered in with that company more on an advisory side um, and some some sales stuff as well. So that's, but again, I don't run that day to day. I'm just more like an investor and an advisor on that. Um, and then the, the rest of it is just H for Hustle. I've just built building H for Hustle. Um, 
Um, next year, we're going to be launching a our 100-day goals uh, accomplishment. Um, a lot of people want to accomplish goals, but I think goals should be set out as sprints and as 100-day sprints, right? 100 days is enough to accomplish any true big goal in your life. Like if you want to lose 20 pounds, you shouldn't want to lose 20 pounds in two weeks. You should want to lose 20 pounds in three months. Um, so um, next year, I'll be launching um, our goal-setting initiative. Uh, and then also, I have an eight-week boot camp that right now is full because um, I don't really take in. I only do like six clients at a time. Um, but starting next year, I'm going to be opening it up a little bit more. But that's an eight-week um, business boot camp to take your concept from concept to reality. Um, and I've actually uh, been doing that for a while. Wow, that's awesome. So, okay, what kind of wine is sold at the other, for the business venture with the wine? Do you sell like Cabernet? Do you sell Chardonnay? A little bit of everything? Because I'm a wine drinker and I love it. <laughs> okay, so the wine that we partnered up on, so we have a couple, um, I'm sorry, we have a Lambrusco, which is a sparkling red. Um, it's, just, uh, it's an Italian wine. Um, that's what we partnered up with Raekwon. It's actually really tasty red wine and it just like bubbles to it. And then the others that we, is a, is a red blend, is a California red blend. Um, and that's more like a, a consumer wine it's a little bit cheaper in a sense where it falls between that like 15 to 25 dollar range um so it kind of floats between there but the lambrusco is a little bit higher it's about 29 um and it kind of floats between 29 and 35 depending on the retailer so you said that you partnered with rick Kwan. how did that partnership come about um, I'd have to give that a lot to my friend Jermaine. He went and pursued him. Um, he built a relationship with Raekwon's brother um, and then got introduced to Raekwon. We uh, traveled out to, once we built the relationship, we traveled out to Italy. We chose the actual Lambrusco wine um, maker. Uh, we went out there, chose bottles, the whole thing. So it's it's a production. I would definitely have to say my friend Jermaine, he's the front person on that. Uh, again, like I'm in there as an investor and in his advisor. Mm-hmm. So what is the most fulfilling thing about being an entrepreneur for you? Um, right now, the, the freedom. Um, you, the, I actually designed the life that I wanted. I wanted to make sure. I mean, I give my parents a lot of credit. They worked their behinds off to put us to where we are. And we're able to stand on top of their shoulders. Um, and now I have the freedom and flexibility to be home with my kids. I've actually been quarantining before quarantining was a thing. <laughs> you know, I've always worked from home. So, um, you know, I have the freedom. I can be, I remember, I'll give you a perfect example. When I was, I would say 15 or 14, I used to do karate. I was really having karate. I actually have a black belt in karate. Um, and I remember asking my parents, I said, Hey, can you guys come to a karate tournament of mine? I would really like to have you guys there. And my mom looked me straight in the face and said, Hey, we can pay for the karate school or we can come to your karate tournament. It's one or the other. If we come to the tournament, we can't pay for the school because we're going to miss a day of work. And I was like, I understand that. Okay. guess you got to go to work. And for me, I just wanted to make sure that I could be a parent that can show up to the karate tournament and pay for the karate tournament. (laughs) So um, now I can show up. I have the freedom and the flexibility with my kids. And that's, I think to me, um, that's the biggest um, attribute of being an entrepreneur. And also um, I design my own life as all the stresses are mine and all the wins are mine and they don't belong to anybody else and they're all mine. So 
there's some people who who want that and some people who can't deal with that but that's something that uh, that I definitely wanted and I control my life and how it works if I want more I go and get more if I want less I work less you know so it's it's I have that control again that control comes with its own set of headaches but uh, again that's to me the biggest attribute of being an entrepreneur that's awesome. So with all that you've experienced in your life through the ups and downs you faced when building your businesses over the years, do you feel like you've finally found your life's purpose? Yes. Um, especially helping others and coaching others. It lights me up so much. I mean, when I had my door-to-door sales company, I was, I was excited because I was teaching guys there. But it, there's something different about it now that I'm able to like help people build something from like a concept in their mind. And it's that moment when you're talking to them or you're on a Zoom call with them and you see that like it, it, it clicks and that then they sell a product or they sell their first service and, you know, and they're so excited. For me, it just lights me up that to see somebody take an idea that they had in their mind, bring it to reality and now make money from it. Uh, it's one of the, the, the craziest things to actually see in somebody's eyes and how proud I am of people when they do that. Mm-hmm. So let everybody know where they connect, where they can connect with you and listen to your H for Hustle podcast. So it's H F O R Hustle podcast. You can get that on all streaming services. If you want to listen um, again, I interview early I interview entrepreneurs who are um, growing their businesses and how they made that transition from quitting their job to starting their own. The website is h4hustle.com. There's blog posts, there's everything there. If you want to get involved with the course, go there as well. Um, h4hustle.com. You can find me there. And then on socials, I am Jerome Fenton and h4hustle podcast. You can find us over there as well. But again, you can find all of that on our website, h4hustle.com. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you, Jerome, for joining me today for my episode of Vod Selection. And for everybody else, tune in for next week's episode. If you'd like to buy any Vibe Selection merchandise, you can do so at www.teespring.com slash Vibe Selection. If you like any exclusive bonus content, you can get that at www.patreon.com slash Vibe Selection or follow me on IG at I am Kyra Mahoney. Thank you all for tuning in this week and stay safe and stay healthy. Happy holidays. Bye. Thank you for joining Vibe Selection with Kyra. Come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics. Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection.